Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, Austin talks about closing in his CNC. We try to figure out what type of superhero Christy would be, and we visit with Jacob Griffin to talk about cosplay and going to cosplay conventions. Hey guys, good seeing you guys tonight. Hey Christy, how are you? What's up? I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, so what have we been up to, Austin? What you got? Um, so this week I've been tackling a big project that I put off. And basically the reason that this happened is because we had a snowstorm and it locked me in my shop with my dad and he <laughs> determined that we were going to finish building the CNC enclosure. So, That's... um, and I'm basically, I was, I've been trying to use kind of everything that I already had available to me. Um, and then by the least amount of stuff possible. So I did a, a one by two, I mean, excuse me, one by one and a half by one and a half uh, steel frame to go up from the original frame that I built for the base. And then kind of did like a plywood sheathing with acrylic windows. I had a bunch of these pieces of acrylic that this guy was throwing away. They're like old sneeze guards or something. And uh, so I was like, well, let's just cut these windows to fit these pieces that the guy gave me. And kind of give it kind of gives it like a vintage airplane vibe or something. I don't know. It's kind of a weird I think it looks cool, but it definitely, um, it's, it, I just had to come up with something that would look cool with the size pieces I had. So, um, but yeah, I've been working on that and that's come out pretty good. I'm, I'm wrapping up dust collection, hopefully tomorrow. And then I think I'm going to be you know, fully legit ready to roll. That's kind of what I was thinking. It looked like an airplane or like, even like a, I don't know, like a satellite type or, a, a, a some sort of aircraft or, even space shuttle kind of thing with the curved uh, curved windows kind of thing like that. So I thought it looked super cool. I'm just going to be curious when you're going to um, come this way and build me one for my CNC. I, you know, I'd appreciate that. So maybe we can schedule that about June. <laughs> start, start getting some <laughs> materials piled together. Okay. Well, that was one thing. It's nice hearing. It's interesting hearing you say that you use stuff you had on hand. Cause obviously you weren't running to the store in 13 inches of snow, but they still have a lot of little stylistic things like the windows. And then you've got these red um, knobs on the front. What, what are those doing? So basically those were knobs left over from my uh, belt grinder build. I had a, I bought a 10 pack of them and it's always nice to have just knobs that are half inch 13 thread. Cause then whatever you can make whatever you need. And um, so those knobs basically, I put like a uh, weather stripping around the whole front. Cause I, mm-hmm. I want this to be as sealed as possible. I'm going to be cutting G 10, which is nasty stuff. And um, so when I put that foam on there, you know, it kind of makes it spongy and wants to pop open. And I was trying to think of a way that I could make something where it's like quick to open. I, I hate having to do like a bunch of latches to close something or so I, what I did was I took those knobs and I cut them down to where there's only three threads on the back of it. So basically three half turns will get you all the way engaged. Um, so I can basically, I can just spin them right off and open it up and then um, it's pretty quick. Um, and that just hold that just holds the front. Once that foam kind of breaks in, I probably won't even need them because the I'm running two pipes of dust collection. I'm running one that's just into the atmosphere and then I'm running one right to the spindle. Uh, and that's going to be a two, two and a half inch hose. And then the, the atmosphere one is actually a four inch um, straight from the dust collection. So that's- it'll probably have enough suction. Um, Cause besides that, it's pretty sealed up. So it'll, it'll probably um, that just, that'll probably hold the door closed. Now, what is the G 10 for? I'm not, I'm not familiar with what that is. So like the pins that I make that are G10 is a lot of guys use it for knife scale, like knife handles. It's kind of like my, my card looks similar to like that. Um, but I use it for my center bands. So like when I make a thin blue line pen, the blue line is actually G10. Um, originally when I was doing those, I made it out of surfboard resin. And then I found out it was just a little too brittle for how much people drop pens. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I switched over to G10 which makes it basically indestructible. So once we switched to G10, I never had one fail. And um, the only problem is, is it it really, um, the way that I'm doing it right now is super labor intensive. Like basically they come in flat sheets. It's like a fiberglass panel. I have to lay it out and I have to drill the holes, you know, a hundred holes in the sheet. 
and then I bandsaw it out and then I hit the corners of every square with a hole drilled in the middle on the sander and then I load it on the lathe and then I turn them around and then I take them to the other lathe and I sand them and then I pop, you know, like bring them up to a polish. So it's an insane amount of handwork. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I can actually use a carbide end mill and if nothing else, get them really close to, to go onto the CNC and kind of try to use it as like another, like just, you know, a, a robot that's basically knocking out the bulk work. And, um, and then I'm also not having to like wear a respirator and grind all this crap right. in my shop. Yeah. When that I, when sense. I do it like a big run, it looks like a Smurf blew up in my shop because it's all <laughs> blue dust everywhere. It's nasty stuff. I can't wait to see how this turns out because it's always interesting when you add vacuum to things, you know, vacuum in a box where there's, when you're pulling air out, air has to come in from somewhere. So yep. you may have to put in some kind of like veritable uh, opening that you can flute to, to allow some pressure relief. And then um, it's going to be interesting to see something so small, how you plan on holding it down. And then with a two and a half inch vacuum hose on top, if you're going to run into any shifting issues. So I can't wait to see um, how this plays out. Yeah. You and me both. So, <laughs> cause I've been running like how I'm going to do this. So one of my buddies that run, he runs a huge um, CNC machine. He actually made um, it's a vacuum table and it pulls mm-hmm. the air through the, I'm, I know you guys have seen these, pulls like down. it pulls like through the MDF. And um, I was thinking about making a miniature version of that. Now, cause I don't need it very big. It just has to be like a nine by nine area. That's all I'm cutting and, or excuse me, nine by 11. And, um, if I can do that and I've, I mean, I've got extra dust collectors that I could run just, just for that purpose, like just to pull. So I'll make like a sealed box that mounts in there that when you flip it on it, you know, I was thinking about something like that. I'd like to talk to somebody that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. So anyways, that's what I've been up to. What are you been up to Dean? Man, I'm in full on shop rearrangement. And I think last week I spoke on it a little bit because um, I'm pretty sure my desk had already been moved. But mm-hmm. that was the whole weekend was moving toolboxes, moving tool cabinets, um, taking to move the toolboxes. You have to take every tool out. I got to find a place to put all this stuff. And then I'm kind of going through and like, OK, I haven't used this glue in three years. I'm going to toss it or I don't really use these wrenches. Let's put these into kind of a deeper storage and declutter some of these drawers. So that's what I spent the weekend doing. but. The other cool thing is as much as I say, I don't want to do it. I think I'm leaning back into the stamps and I've been making a bunch lately. And one that was a kind of a cool moment was Bumble shoots reached out. And here's a guy he was on because we make recently. So I got to hear the whole story of the company, how he put this thing together during COVID and the brand that he's put together. And so for them to reach out and get a stamp to represent their packaging and their brand was really exciting. Um, Not to mention some of the other ones I mailed out this week. So I've been doing a lot of stamps and that was interesting too, because I normally have one spot that I do all my gluing on, all my polishing on, all my photographs on. Well, that's all taken up. Every flat service is taken up. So it was kind of like a mad dash to find a two foot by two foot square that I could put these stamps on and get a good relief, a good press. I tried to do it on a toolbox, but then I realized the toolbox pad was giving me not a firm backing. And so I wasn't getting a clear stamp. So that was a pretty fun little gambit to run. I feel like that's always what happens. Like as soon as you tear everything apart, you just get flooded with, or that's what happens to me. And then you're like, Oh my God, now I got to like make do and get these things done in the not ideal conditions. Luckily we we're still working from home. I think this is going to be the last week. So it was kind of like Thursday, Friday, Saturday was big in the stamps. And then Monday was when uh, bumble shoots reached out. And so I made his stamp that day. So he emailed me everything at lunch. I'm in meetings. I've got the Glowforge running, printing the stamp, and then got it in the mail and I mailed it out this morning. But yes, yeah, so that was seven since last Thursday, which nice. it always makes you feel good because the way money leaves my wallet, sometimes it's nice to see, okay, here's some money coming back in. <laughs> what have you been up to, Christy? Uh, we're working on the shop floor plan now. And I'm telling you, this is stressing me out because it's a blank slate, you know, it's a clean slate as far as where we want to put everything. And, um, you know, it's the analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis or whichever it is. Um, so that's, what I'm trying to figure out 
how to lay everything out because we've got to run electrical and I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my uh, dust collection. So honestly, I would appreciate if anyone wants to post their shop layout or just a picture in their stories or or um, a regular post and tag the podcast or me or whatever, one way or the other, get an old of me. I would thoroughly appreciate anyone giving me some kind of visual of what theirs looks like, especially if it's, I mean, ours, uh, ours is going to be like 24 by 28. So it's not a long rectangle and, but it's not really a square square. So I'm just trying to figure out how I want things to be, to be set up as far as my flow and electrical and dust collection. I know Marvin, obviously being a contractor has a significant amount of tools, at least in in his realm of what he does kind of tools. So are you guys planning on like a his and hers side and then like a combo, like a mutual area or or are you just going to take over and tell them to, you know, eat, eat dirt? (laughs) Well, Okay, the the single car garage that's attached to the house will keep what would be normal garage tools. And for the most part, that's the the type of tools that he had, you know, tools for working on a car, tools for working on things around the house, because like large tools that he would use for work are at the shop. You know, we will use them when we need to use them or whatever. Um, Now, he did buy the lathe. And then he also has a table that he uses for his um, uh, for his bullet casting, which will be in the shop as a, which will actually be able to take. We won't actually do that inside the shop. It'll be by the garage door. So it could be moved out onto the driveway when we do that type of thing. Right. So there are a couple large pieces of equipment that he usually uses more so than I do. But otherwise, for what's in the shop is mainly going to be our traditional woodworking type tools. We're not, we, we're not going to be putting um, house tools or we're not going to put, be putting auto mechanic type tools type. Right. So my suggestion is number one, find a place that you can tuck or hide a compressor to reduce the noise. Yeah. And then my other suggestion is make sure you get 220 to every wall. Oh, to every wall. That's to every wall. That's, that way. Yeah. If down the line you end up needing it, you can always do a jumper really, you know, like you can, mm-hmm. you can jump it easier than you can run a whole new line. So yeah, I have several, I mean, that's definitely not to code, <laughs> but right. I have some that were that used to feed because my, my table saw way back used to be in this one spot. Well, now I have a milling machine seven feet over. So I just jumped that box and covered it up, you know, so I just made an extension instead of having to run a whole new line. Um, right. So I would suggest those two things. And then, That's you know, good. and then you're going to have to drop your electrical once you kind of have your shop layout. Right. And that's, yeah, that's kind of the chain of events. I mean, this coming, the end of this week, first part of next week is when they're going to do the framing um, for the, for the, for the second floor and then the roof. So, and then as soon as that's, soon as that's done we need to you know we need to start planning the electricals and then in order to do that you know we got to have the floor plan i want to have um i'm thinking about having my workbench and that i've already made it's like a three foot by four foot ish uh workbench and then i also have my table saw which is a contractor's table saw but it is built into a workbench area um, that total, that's another three foot by four foot ish uh, size workbench. So I'd like to have those right down the middle. And then on the sides, I would have the joiner, the planer, the lathe, the um, bandsaw, those kind of things on each side. But then I've got the issue of, okay, how am I getting electric to my table saw in the very middle of my shop? Am I going to just, you know, run the line and cover it up on the floor? Then I'm going to end up with having an extension cord. Am I going to run it down from the ceiling, which is a possibility too. I mean, um, and, think about this too. If you're going to be running dust collection, it has yeah. to come from somewhere too. So you might as well run them right. both from the same location. That's true. That so if you're true. coming down from the ceiling, just come down with 
you know, maybe bring you down a, a nice power pole that you can mount the dust collection to. Mm-hmm. I see that in a lot of shops, but I have the same thing in my shop. I'm constantly needing the a power source in the middle. Right. So I end up having to run an extension cord, which it sucks. You know, it's not a good, it's not a good scenario. One other thing that I would highly suggest, I thought it was going to be really cool in my shop to have sections of lights. So like, Oh, oh. I'm working in this corner. I'll be able to shut the rest of the shop down. And I feel like you get addicted to the amount of light you have. Cause I have like, I have 17 lights in my shop. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I just blast them all full on. Well, I had every switch. Uh, there was two switches in the middle of each wall and that powered the front and the back of the shop. And uh, I would never do that again. I would have all the lights at the front door so I can just kill them all, you know, power them all up. I don't mind them yeah. being in different uh, switches. That way uh-huh. you could kill some if you need to, but I really mind having to walk around the shop to flip things on. That makes sense. I'm assuming, you know, I never really thought about that as far as where all the light switches would be. I mean, we will have a, it's a two car garage door at the front and then on the back side is where my double doors to go out will be. And I anticipate 95% of the time I'm going to use those double doors. I'm not going to be going in and out of the garage door to come in and out of the shop because I'm going to go through, you know, and then either go walk through the regular part of the garage or the ha- into the house or walk through the back deck um, into the house. So I'm kind of thinking to have all those light switches by the door back there. But I'm wondering, do I want to have an, a, an extra set of those switches up by the garage door? You know what they say? No better way than a three way. So this week we're joined with my buddy, Jacob Griffin. He's master blacksmith, avid TikToker, Star Wars nerd, uh, maker extraordinaire. What's going on? How's it going, Austin? Good to see you, man. Glad you could join us. So if you can, maybe give us a little intro, who you are, what you do, um, what you're into. Just a little bit about you. Yeah, I'm Jacob Griffin. I'm a designer during the day. And a maker on the nights and weekends. I would say I'm probably more of a generalist. And if I have an idea in my head, I just find the the materials and methods to get me to that product. That's great. And so you're really into um, Star Wars and going, would you call it cosplay or would you call it, what would you call it? I would consider it a cosplay. I don't get too much into the, the role playing side of it, but the, the costume part is uh, what I like doing. Cool. And I love that you, for some of your costumes, you were using um, found parts or, or re reusing things that you see in everyday life to create some of your props and, and some of your, your uh, adornments to your costumes. Yeah. Probably one of the, the strangest ones was the, uh, the grappling hook I made and I was a, uh, couldn't figure out a way to 3d print that thing. So I just did a bunch of research on the internet and found a obscure blog post from, from years ago where a woman was making a grappling gun for her kid. And she just used like some plastic uh, clothes hangers. And I was like, well, that's, that's, that's the way to go. So I found it an O-ring over at home Depot, um, super glued it to uh, four, kind of elbows of a uh, plastic hanger and that didn't really stick to it very well. Uh, and the plastic hangers apparently super glue doesn't stick those together very well. So basically I just kind of hung it from a hook and just over days, just put some uh, five minute epoxy on it and let it cure, put some more on there, let it cure. And eventually it didn't flex or fall apart. So what costume are you building for that? Uh, that was part of my uh, Mythos Obi Wan costume, um, based on a, an artwork that I bought. I don't know in 2016 or 2017, in one of the first big conventions I went to, and then uh, a popular toys company called uh, Sideshow Collectibles came out with a Mythos Obi Wan figure, and I, I don't know, it's just been sitting over my desk since then, and something I kind of toyed with. And, uh, 2020, I was going to go dressed up as Obi-Wan, but that 
convention had got canceled because of the pandemic. So a few months after that, I pulled the trigger on a 3D printer and figured I'd take a go at the at the big thing. And whenever conventions would come back is when I'd go. So you had just gotten into 3D printing whenever you decided to make all the components for this costume. Yeah. And what was funny was I had uh, bought a 3D printed kind of kit for Obi-Wan's lightsaber on Etsy, got it in. And like right after I opened it, I immediately thought I was like, I, I could do this. I could go buy a 3D printer and make this myself. It's like, I know I'm going to have to make all of these armor pieces and all this other stuff. So it makes more sense financially even just to go ahead and buy a, buy a 3D printer. That's awesome. So how many parts did you 3D print? Like give us the main components that you printed and then we'll kind of go into each of them. Big piece I'd say is kind of the one that's on the the side that's strapped to the backpack and that's a uh, moisture evaporator. And for the nerds out there, it basically farms water from the air in the Star Wars universe. That one was probably, I think, 14 pieces total. I actually found the model on Thingiverse and kind of during our weekly Zoom calls, I'd use that time to go and divide the model up into uh, separate pieces to to print because each piece, I don't know, was somewhere between six to 10 hours wow. a piece. So there's probably over 100 hours just in that piece itself. Wow. And in that, I kind of had to modify the model a little bit because I was just paranoid with the big uh, long part of it hitting something while walking around the convention floor. So I tweaked the model a little bit to be able to fit a PVC pipe that could run down the, the whole thing. So if it does hit something, it's not going to, it's not going to break at that point. I think what's so amazing about the way that you have converted these 3d prints into your props is from your Instagram. Like I can't, I can't tell, like, I mean, most of the times when I, when I see something that's 3d printed, I'm like, Oh, they obviously 3d printed that yours have so many levels of detail. And then your paint work. I mean, they look like they're steel or, or, you know, whatever kind of material, um, like those binoculars that you made the electrified or like, I can't remember what the exact they're called. I mean, that looks like a legit product that would have been sold um, but by like a prop company or something like that. So do you get inspiration when you're like walking through the, the aisles of like the Home Depot or, or wherever you're getting the little accent pieces and then kind of saying, Oh, well, I could use that in this and walk us through like, what's your process when you're trying to come up with the original design of those parts? Well, for, in the case of the, the electro binoculars, that was also a model I'd found on Thingiverse. Um, the only issue was that I had I, I hadn't delved too far into 3D printing at that point, so I just went on and uh, printed the model right off Thingiverse. And I don't know, the walls of it were were super thin, so I was like, this isn't really going to hold up to any abuse. So I went and put together several of the pieces, uh, put some like internal ribs with just some scrap uh, foam core and uh, chipboard. And then took some spray foam insulation um, that you'd use like in between your like door frames and the the studs or whatever. And went and sprayed that in there, kind of supported it from the outside like you would with some form work. And then uh, once it was all cured, I went and trimmed off the excess and put it on there. And that, I feel like that prop was probably one of the more expensive ones, just in the amount of spray paint I used on it. Because my my God, dude, uh, this was spray paint expensive. Um, just because it, it was so much filler primer, sand it, uh, spot putty, filler primer, sand it. And it yeah, it just, that one, because there were so many pieces and my printer wasn't tuned in as well as it is now, um, it just, it, it was a lot of work. Um, have you ever tried like Bondo or something like, like body filler? Is, is that compatible with, you know, um, with whatever filament you're running? Uh, so what I had used is I've watched like a lot of Bill Duran's uh, videos over at Punish Props, which is kind of a big prop builder on YouTube. And he always recommends a 3M uh, spot putty. I think it's the, the 
the green one, which is a, a quick setting one. I've, I've not used it before, but I went and bought it off his recommendation. And uh, I just kind of went and used that to fill in any of the low spots or kind of hide some of the seams where I didn't glue everything perfectly uh, flush. That's cool. Yeah. You're, the paintwork that you do is amazing. I mean, it must be super thick because <laughs> it just, I mean, it's amazing how much it slicks out, slicks out these parts. Um, and then I had another question for you about it. Have you ever done any um, parts where you do the acetone vapor bath to get it to slick out? No, my understanding for that is that it only really works on ABS prints. And just because I'm running this inside my apartment, I typically use just PLA filament. And with that, it, it seems to just be, you just got to use filler primer and uh, spot putty, especially because I'm impatient and use some thicker layer lines. So one of my favorite parts about a lot of your builds is that it's not just, I got this off of Thingiverse and I'm going to 3D print it and done. And as Austin alluded to earlier, you've got all the additional things that you figure out the way, whether it's the PVC pipe on the, uh, the water farming equipment um, or, you know, different straps you had on your binoculars. But another prop I saw was you had some red lens goggles. What's the backstory on those and how did those come together? Yeah, those were, those were really fun. So it's, it just kind of has them setting up on his chest. And um, I've, I've seen before people have these like red tinted uh, kind of like steampunky looking uh, goggles. So I just bought some off Amazon and cut them up uh, to where it was just kind of the part that screws the lens onto uh, the frame. And then after that, I just used some spare fabric I had and some spare foam to kind of go and make a template of how it would shape over my face. So yeah, and in, in creating that template, it was a lot of just kind of standing in front of the mirror, drawing a Sharpie, trying not to draw on my face. <laughs> and yeah, and it it just, it, that piece was probably one of my favorite pieces just because of how clean it came out in the end with the leather work. I had hidden a uh, kind of brass piece on the, and then those piece because it didn't really, contoured at all and i wanted it a slight contour even though i was just going to be wearing it on my chest the whole outfit is super cool um i really enjoyed watching you build that backpack because it was there were so many like steps in it because you were really kind of learning that whole process as you're going right i mean could you kind of walk us through the backpack build yeah so that one was the kind of the big scary project that was lurking and the uh <laughs> in the background because it's like I had, I had started like leather working in January of that year. And I was like, I need to make this backpack by September. And I know absolutely nothing about leather working. So I uh, hit up one of my friends, Nick, and he told me kind of the bare minimum leather working supplies I needed. Um, so I, I did some smaller pieces and stuff to get practice and learn how to stitch and poke the holes and all that. And figuring out the backpack, uh, Sideshow Collectibles actually had like a lot of photos on their website from uh, different angles. And so I would used that. And because it's a scale figure, it's a six scale figure, I could take that into some 3D modeling software, basically blow it up to scale, kind of draw around it. And I just kind of I just drew a box that looked about the, the right size and I went and took those measurements and transferred them over to some uh, large sheets of paper and then basically just kind of made a, a 3D mock-up taping some paper together and used that to kind of figure out the, the size of the whole thing. How functional was that backpack? Well, it was functional in the fact that it could hold everything on it, even though, I mean, it. I, I think I weighed it afterwards. It was somewhere like 11 pounds that I was Oh, carrying with that, all the uh, gear. Yeah. Yeah. Carrying that whole weekend. Um, and so funny story is the inside to get it to kind of poof out and look like that there was actually stuff in there. I just used some like cotton insulation. I used to get from these, these meal prep boxes that they just go and put some insulation in there. So I was like, I'll use that to stuff it and uh, puff it out a little bit. So it looks like I'm actually have something in there without adding too much weight. Was it hand, it was hand stitched on that backpack, wasn't it? 
yes, it was it was lots and lots of uh, of hand stitching, all of all of which I think I finished sewing up that backpack probably two days before I flew out. So it was kind of a mad dash. And last week was was when a lot of that that backpack work uh, happened. It was I kind of figured out some of the stuff uh, weeks prior in uh, looking up a lot of reference photos, which involved me going into because I didn't actually have the action figure, which probably would have saved me some time buying that. But I spent one night just sifting through unboxing videos of people opening up this figure. Oh, wow. How clever. Yeah. Wow. Just because I couldn't figure out how to get the, the straps. Cause I mean, I'd never made a backpack before. So I'm like, my best bet is to go and build it the, the way that they built it. So I, I don't know, sifted through some YouTube videos and found some back shots of where it faces you and how the, the straps connect and kind of using what, measurements i did know i could use that to scale and figure out how big all of those pieces were and where they fit on it well and even when you use the uh like the binder clips to kind of hold it together in order to kind of get that physical feel of it um i thought that was a good idea because then you could before you actually did the stitching you could see it and kind of you know get a better 3d visual of it before you even actually did any stitching yeah, I mean, a lot of that was like little dopamine hits of me being able to see that that was a a real thing. But I don't know. I've had these those binder clips since since college, and they're just real handy in leather work because you can temporarily yes. put some stuff together, use it to see how it feels, and then uh, and then uh, take them off and start stitching your stuff. So I've got this impression that you spent a lot of time researching the scale, researching the accuracy. How important is it when you go to these conventions to be accurate, especially when we're talking about a little known variation of a fantastical character that's in several universes and represented by different medias? You know, where is this pressure to be perfect come from? I, I, it's, it's one of those things where it's like I get inspired a lot by like media and, and fandom and nerddom and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, uh, you're right, it's like no one is going to see those straps and how they hit that backpack. But it was just that little thing in me. Like, I wanted, I, I feel like it'd be cool to be a giant version of this little uh, six-inch uh, action figure. So then why didn't you dye your hair to match the action figure? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's one of my, my best friends. Always like, well, you're going to cut your hair and trim your beard. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not that hard hardcore of a I got a you fan. so you'll spend all night measuring your computer screen to get reference uh for the backpack oh yeah in, I, I got you no, I understand that so I, I think kind of the the last things are the soft additions when it comes to the robes the gowns the boots the gloves things like that what's how did that come together so the 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 main costume the the robes and the 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 main costume and the the hood came from Amazon. Uh, the really thing, uh, the only thing I really modified on that costume was basically trimming the sleeves off the the cape, just because that's the way it was in the 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 figure and the the artwork. As for the boots, um, I guess without going like overboard, I had basically just went on. I went to Macy's and found that some women's riding boots were on sale. So I went and uh, bought those. Uh, I trimmed some of the buckles and uh, accoutrement off yeah. of it. And then to kind of make it not look like that shiny fake leather mm -hmm. look, I used some uh, mixture of shoe polish, acrylic paint, and kind of going back and forth on that. And, um, uh, buffing it out and then adding some more until it, it didn't get that shiny plasticky look and it looked a little bit more like leather. So did they look at you funny when you asked for a size 13 in women's? No, I ordered those online. Okay. <laughs> did not have to. I just had to go in the store to pick them up. So all this brings us to the culmination. Uh, you've got to get all this stuff down to Dallas. Tell us about the pack up, the trip, the getting to the hotel and then what the convention was like with all your gear on. Yeah. So that was the, 
that was the thing I had worried about because I had, I had bigger plans for this costume. I was going to build a rifle, which I've mostly built, but still have yet to, to finish in a couple gaffy sticks. But, um, and thinking of the, the deadline and when I had to get to the convention and how I would get all that stuff there, I was like, there's no way I can get that unless I get like a, a gun case and put that stuff in it and, uh, check it as luggage. Um, so again, part of that is I've never cosplayed or anything like that before. So I kind of looked online, looked on YouTube to see if there was anything that anybody else had recommended. And they had recommended this kind of foot locker that just pushes the boundary of uh, being considered oversized luggage. And luckily I had bought that. And, uh, cause at that point I had finished the costume already. So I bought that and then stuck everything in there. And luckily, um, luckily was able to, to make it mostly in, in one piece. I got back to, to Texas, uh, and then eventually opened it up when I got to my friend's apartment. And, um, I didn't think about how things would move, uh, during travel. So I didn't put padding in between pieces. There's a big scratch mark on my chest piece. And that's just from the sands of Tatooine. Well, yeah, that's exactly what (laughs) I was like. That's battle damage. And then it's like, it's also going to be facing my back and it's not going to be something that a bunch of people will, will notice. And I'll have a quick whippy answer if, if they do. So you went with friends. I was going to ask, was the Uber ride awkward whenever you got in the car with all this stuff on? No, luckily, whenever I go to Texas for these conventions, which I have been since I think 2016, the first year we had just rented a hotel, but 2017 and on, I normally stay at a friend's apartment and then we'll carpool over there. It's just kind of the awkward walk because we go and park a ways away in the, the, uh, parking lot. And you can say, Oh yeah, no, it's the cheap parking. So we go to the cheap park and then it's a a long walk over there. And because of that, you pass through a few intersections and people kind of look at you a little weird on the first day. So what was the reaction like to your costume? Um, when you got in there, did you, you know, get some positive vibes from people and did you run into anybody, you know, noteworthy? Um, I, it's, I, I got a few, uh, nice costumes, which is always good to hear. Um, I got some photos with some people just waiting in line. Um, because uh, yeah, I met a, a tie fighter who was in front of me to go get a picture with Adam Savage. So I got a picture with him. Um, I guess the, the warm and fuzzy moment was probably when I walked past the 501st table, which is kind of a costuming troop, uh, mostly for the the dark side. So it's a bunch of stormtrooper costumes and Darth Vader's and they had noticed my costume and they kind of knew what it was and they really appreciated it. And then when I was waiting in line um, for a panel, uh, one of them had came up to me and talked to me a little bit about it and, it's funnily enough, the kind of the one of the cool things of doing the costume the year I did it is that the the artist whose print I had bought way back when it actually uh, showed up to the event. So I was able to get a picture with with him. And of course, he's sitting over there at his booth and he's got a picture of the the artwork he had done right behind him. And he recognized it and he knew exactly what it was because I'm a Star Wars fan and I wouldn't have known. I mean, I could have put some things together. You see the lightsaber, you see um, the the water um, farming equipment, but I wouldn't have known the mythos version of Obi-Wan, but that guy right. probably did. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Everyone kind of just assumed it was a Jedi. It was just kind of those, the, the warm fuzzies when just the, the two or three people had, had uh, recognized exactly, exactly what it was. It's like the inside joke. Yeah. That's gotta be nice to skirt on the fringe, but still it's so good that people don't recognize cause you didn't go lazy. But then the ones who know really knew because you nailed the execution. Yeah. I mean, and it was one of those things to where I would like obviously done research online because it seems like for all of these, I just do lots and lots of research beforehand. And there was a couple people that had uh, done some variation of this costume, one that had done like an extremely uh, good variation. I think one of the first ones and you got like feature on their website and all that, which is actually the one who had modeled the, the moisture evaporator that I wound up uh, printing out. So what's the final disposition of a piece like this? You spend all this time on it. Is this going to be the costume for the next few years or is this a one and done situation? I would say right now it's still sitting in the the footlocker that I uh, traveled with it in. Um, there are, there are, I still want to finish the rifle. 
I still want to do some some weathering and add some extra bits and bobs to to some of this stuff. But um, I guess just because of the the travel issues, I foresee with bringing some of those bigger props. I probably like take it to a local convention and wear it around when I when I do that. And um, I've already went gone and booked my tickets for this year's convention, so I've already been plotting and scheming for the costume for for this year. Ooh. Have you been watching the new Boba Fett series? Uh, yes, I'm slowly warming up to it. Uh, the last episode that was on was probably one of my my favorite ones so far. So have you seen the scene and spoiler alert where he uh, constructs the Jaffe stick? Oh yeah, yeah. So, actually, that was that was probably one of my my favorite scenes in that, just because it was you don't see a whole lot of kind of like woodworking and blacksmithing and and uh, cinema, especially when you look at it, it, lo- it looks like they're actually carving a little bit. So as a master blacksmith, you know, how did oh, you feel? Yeah. Did you feel they did an accurate representation or at least did it justice? I mean, it, it looked like they were forge welding. I'm not sure if it actually forge welded. And so maybe at next year's Austin camp or, or the next time we have a blacksmithing demonstration, uh, you could grab a group of us and, and we could make our own weapons. Yeah, we'll, we'll make some gaffy sticks at high caliber camp. There you go. So when you went to the convention and Adam Savage was there because of COVID, they had a piece of glass between you guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 They had like sheets of acrylic between us and all of the celebrities. Did, did you feel like you should put your hand on it and say window love? Window love, trying to get him to put it on the other side. That's over my head. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Chrissy on that one. Well, that's a prison thing. It's prison. You put your hand on the window because oh. they can't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jacob, for being here and being on my side on this, because you can't imagine how many times these two guys will make references or comments about something. And I am absolutely clueless on. So I appreciate the fact that you're here. You're well known of a lot of things. And you also did not understand that tacky reference. Thank you, Austin. Did you go into the sci-fi world because of your, I mean, were your parents really into Star Wars and that kind of thing? I'm assuming I'm old enough to be your mom. So I know as a kid growing up in the eighties, that was such a, a, a new thing, such an exciting different types of movies. So are you really into it because you, your parents were really into it kind of, you know, followed through with that? Well, it's mostly my dad that was really into it. Like he, we kind of and as kids inherited his his toys that he had had as a kid. And I mean, we I think I had watched the original trilogy before I seen the uh, uh, the prequel trilogy, which is kind of the one of the first movies are an active knowledge of seeing was probably a Phantom Menace. That's cool. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's kind of always been there. It's like one of those things as a kid. That's what I, I, I drew. I check out books on how to draw various cities and yeah, it's just been one of those constant kind of muses. Yeah. We never went to the movies. My brother went and saw one of the, one of the first three, I don't remember which one it was, but he went with friends, but we never, you know, we just never went to the movies at all as kids. So I think I kind of missed that. And my parents obviously weren't into that. So I think I just kind of missed that, um, that kickoff during that because i'm not not so much into sci-fi right now well yeah i mean i said they put the the sequel trilogy out and because they released it at christmas time normally i fly home for christmas and so that'd be something that we'd go and watch every christmas and i'd have to kind of avoid spoilers until i was able to make it over there or just watch it and then have to watch it again that's probably not such a bad thing. And so thinking about the crafts that you picked up as you developed this costume, you've got 3D printing was a new hobby. Leatherworking was a new hobby. If you had to pick one to take to the next level, which one do you think you would enjoy advancing? 3D printing or the leather craft? I'm really feeling the the leather craft right now just because it's there's so much you can do with it. And it's like... 3D printing part of it is fun, but there's something else in kind of messing around with the leather. And it's kind of like working with fabric, but it's a little bit more rigid. And um, so that's that's something like planning for my costume for this year that I want to explore more of. So you talked about raising your leather craft. Do you have any tips 
uh, cosplay tips for folks, um, you know, some leatherworking tips for people if they want to make costumes or props from their favorite shows and movies? Um, I would say probably number one is kind of mocking stuff up with, with paper and cardboard and that's a good tip. Tape is kind of one of your best, uh, best friends. I've seen people, um, another popular technique is kind of using saran wrap and then duct taping over it and then drawing on the duct tape with Sharpie. And, um, luckily with armor, there's a lot of stuff that can be mirrored. So really you just got to get the one side down and the way you like it. And then, uh, mirror it but yeah it's just a lot of mock-up of kind of draw something out cut it out in a cardboard or, or or something so you don't waste your expensive leather and then um see how that looks and if you think it needs to go bigger than i don't know tape or, or glue uh, another piece on there and draw it and cut it and uh just keep iterating until you find something you're happy with now do we get a sneak peek of what your plan is for the next costume well, I'm still kind of working out the the details, but right now I'm leaning towards a uh, I've been diving deep into Witcher season two and binge watch that. So nice. Um, so I think this year I'll probably be going with some sort of variation of the the Witcher. going to be a lot of work carrying that hot tub around. I don't get that at all. Uh, he's like naked in a hot tub at, at least two or three it's, times. It's the oh. most famous. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to okay, turn so- off my mic. <laughs> I, I do have another question. <laughs> Jacob. Um, kind of give me the rundown of these cosplay events as far as like, like I said, I'm not a sci-fi person, but I find them very interesting, these type of events, but like, what's the, what's the gamut? Like when you mentioned Witcher, what's the commonality between all of the different type of characters that you might see at these type of events well i mean you get a good mix of a whole bunch of i mean because it's just kind of a mixing pot of uh nerds from from different places i mean it's, it's kind of like a, a maker event and that you have your woodworkers your leather workers the the blacksmiths i mean you go to these events and you guys have, have the sci-fi kids the, the anime kids and um fantasy people um so i mean you get all you get all types of folks over there and um they tend to gravitate towards one another but i mean it's it's just a lot of fun and it's like a a kind of a a space where all these all these people can let loose and uh, let their nerd flag fly so really there's no like because it's not like they have to be like comic booky or they don't have to be star wars related or they don't have to be you know so really just anything in the fantasy sci-fi world, regardless of the source, I mean, it's pretty much open that much. Yeah. I mean, it's like any, anything that uh, you can nerd out about. It's, it's probably, probably there. So most guys have seen pictures from Comic-Con, but it's usually of the ladies that are attending these events. Um, What's the interaction with like with them? Are they all pretty nice or do they charge you for photographs? How's that work? No, I mean, normal, normally it's just, it's a, it's very etiquette based when you're at these events. So it's, you typically want to go and ask someone before you uh, get your photo with them to make sure they're, they're comfortable with it and you're not catching them in a bad spot. I mean, there's, there's professional photographers around. There's uh, people that just want to go and grab a, a selfie with their, their favorite character. And um, they appreciate your, your costume. And I don't know, they, they had a cool thing set up where they had rented a, uh, photographer i know you had uh, mark on uh, mm. last mm-hmm. week so they had actually rented out a photographer and basically it's like i got to walk down a, a red carpet and have a professional photographer uh take my photo which that was an event uh that was kind of a, a crazy moment because it's like i'm not a super um extroverted person so it's like i walked out to that red carpet and they're like oh he's out here as uh obi-wan kenobi and then i just see a mass of people and and walk down there and make your hero pose and uh, snap your photo and then go on. So other people were taking your picture as you were doing the red carpet. Oh yeah. So they had a professional photographer set up and there was, it was like, I don't know, four or five people deep the whole length of the, the red carpet. That's cool. Yeah. Was Obi-Wan your favorite cosplay costume that you've done in the last six years? 
uh, it is the only costume I've done in the past six years. Oh my goodness. So before you were just Levi's guy. No, it's, I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know the, the very first convention I went to in 2015, I had kind of handmade a, uh, t-shirt that had the arc reactor uh, of iron Man on it and i um i used pepacura um to go and make a helmet which is kind of just uh using paper or cardboard and uh folded up and so i'd made an iron man helmet and uh that was my first lesson in properly timing out our project because i had not been able to finish that just the helmet in time for the convention so i just went in a t-shirt and jeans Tony Stark on laundry day. Yeah. (laughs) How far in advance did you start planning? And then how far in advance did you start actually building your costume for this last one? I think I started thinking of this costume in particular, probably around um, June, which would have been a few months after, uh, after the the first convention had gotten uh, canceled. And I I didn't know when it was going to, um, come back. So, I mean, it was a lot of planning and then kind of a mad dash a few months beforehand of, of executing everything. I mean, just mm-hmm. cause that's, that's the way I've, I don't know. I feel like my creative process has been, is just like playing a lot beforehand and then execute. And if something doesn't go, um, if something doesn't go exactly how you planned, just kind of pivot or or lean into it. If, if, uh, if it works out. Well, let me ask you this, you know, year one, you can't finish a cardboard mask. Year six, you built binoculars, goggles, uh, water extraction equipment, soda, backpack, shoulder pads, robes, uh, bootleg, uh, RuPaul boots from Macy's, you know, do you think you've grown any from year one to year six when it comes to planning and executing? Oh, I mean, definitely. In, in, the next convention I'm, I'll be going to is in June. So I'm already kind of planning in my head, um, kind of what shortcuts can I take? Because, um, typically if you, if you bring any sort of weapon, they go and tie it down. So if I go as the witcher and I have swords on my back, I'm not going to be able to take those out. So I'm, there's no need to actually make them. So I may just make that, make the, uh, hilts. So I'm, uh, yeah. So I may just make the hilt and then uh, put something in the, in the scabbard to make it look like there's, there's something actually in there. And it's just, I've, I'm just this year, I'm thinking of the shortcuts I can take in, in things that aren't necessarily going to be um, needed to, to grant the full effect of the costume. Cause I mean, that's, that's kind of the main thing. And when I ran into the, the space constraints, for the Obi-Wan costume, it was like, well, what can I focus on that's going to maximize the, uh, the overall effect of, uh, maximize the overall effect of the costume. Yeah. Cause they're not picking through it. Like you said, I mean, as far as what's in your backpack, it's irrelevant, you know, it's more of just like right. the, the, the specific, those details on those certain items that will catch a person's eye as opposed to you know, even, even your boots was just, just a ba- you know, you just needed a basic boot. Um, because I, I doubt anyone was picking on that detail very much, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things it's like, if you're just going to walk the floor, it's kind of just, um, when, when I say the floor, it's kind of the, the, the marketplace floor where all the, the shops and celebrities and, and all that stuff is and doing that, it's mostly just about the overall, effect i mean if you enter the cosplay contest i mean they're going to have actual judges that go and look at your stitching and look behind this that and the other and um typically they're going to ask for source material to see how closely um you followed it oh so if you don't use banta hair for your backpack stitching you'd lose points for that yeah (laughs) yeah which yeah for my my pelt slash bedroll that I had on my custom. That was actually just a, a brown furry rug that I bought on Amazon and the, the green bedroll that's on the opposite side of the, the moisture evaporator it was just kind of a, it was a green bath towel that I kind of spritzed with some um, spray paint to mess it up a little bit. All right. So you've got to choose one lightsaber blade. Are you going green? Are you going red? Are you going the Samuel L purple? I think I'll have to go green. Just the good guy at heart. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was it's the bad guys look cool, but I was never drawn to them like I was the good guys. I mean, the bad guys had cool armor. The the good guys did the cool stuff. I'm with you. That's a good answer. Okay, we ask a question almost every week on this podcast. We we need the three tools. I know you're familiar with them, so hit us with your three tool choice, please. It's my three tools for a new shop. Probably have to go with the uh, 3D printer, just because I mean you can make almost anything. I can make a mallet. You can make anything on one of those. Um, probably a set of stitching chisels uh, for the leather work. I don't have to. So that we don't have to punch everything out with an awl. And my third tool would probably be a drill just because it's it's, sometimes you still got to bore some holes out. And I don't know. It's just drill is one of those tools that you can't go wrong with. Nice. Nice. So also, if you can, thank you so much for joining us and uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Yes. I really appreciate you guys having me on there. Um, You can find me at, Griffin.makes on Instagram and Griffin.makes on TikTok. TikTok King, Griffin Makes. Yes. <laughs> See you later, buddy. <laughs> Bye, Griff. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Thanks, guys. Alrighty. Bye-bye. So listening to Griff and the story about the, the cosplay and the conventions and how he finds inspiration and in, in all these things as he builds his costumes up, it got me thinking about, you know, being a maker. And we look back in our community are in our lives and we get inspiration from the people around us. So I thought we could do a little maker cosplay. Um, you know, when you're in your shop, who do you emulate? Who do you try to pick up tips from? Who do you maybe try to be like when you're in there? Or even what are some tools of the trade? What's your armor and what's your, you know, goggles and moisture evaporator? What are some things you put on? So Austin, if, if I had to ask you about maker cosplay, what does that mean to you? Well, at first, I was just going to pick, you know, sci-fi star, whatever, superhero type guy. I picture myself as Tony Stark at the beginning of Iron Man when he's in the cave working, like the hard working part, not like the smart guy working part. So like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't even consider it like that. No, that's a nice way to look at this. So, yeah. So you see yourself as Tony Stark working on the Mark One Iron Man suit. Right, right. And it's just because it's hard and you don't have the tools you need or every, all your tools are used. Well, just what's well, like, it was all manual. He's not getting the robots to help him at that point. You know, yeah. it's, he, he's welding, he's blacksmithing, he's, he's doing, he's putting in the work, you know? So I, I that's what I, out of any of the realm, that's for sure what I would identify with. Cause I am, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the final product, Tony Stark, <laughs> where, you know, he's got all everything at his hands and, you know, all the digital fab stuff. And so, and now like today, when you lock your father in the CNC enclosure and he's got a dremel work, <laughs> now you're Tony Stark with the robots doing things for you unsupervised. One step closer. One, I'm one step, step closer. closer. Yeah. I'm going to start calling him uh, Jarvis. What about, what about you? We got to give Christy more time because she doesn't watch movies. So we need. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you I guys was going to have to help me, honestly, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was kind of thinking of it the other way. And I was thinking about guests we'd interviewed. And, you know, who of the guests we've talked to um, do I think I'm like, and I really, I really pull a lot from this Houston maker community. Um, you know, like I wish my photos were like bows and, and I would love to have the photography skills of bows. And I feel like I'm a lot like Brian made it, but I, I'm not as nice as Brian is. And that's probably why his account's grown more than my hand, mine has. And then, you know, Matt Voltner, who we had on the podcast, you know, he and I um, spent some time together and, and you did some similar things in spitball, but again, another account that's grown and it's because he has the focus and I'm, I'm in my shop yeah, in a better beard than I have. And so when I'm in my shop, I'm thinking about stuff like that. Like maybe if my beard was better, <laughs> people wouldn't look so much at my, my gut. Um, or maybe if I was nicer, like Brian, I'd get more interaction with the community uh, instead of just, you know, being so mean cantankerous. And then just like the eye that bow has and the effort he puts in, I mean, he left a, a, he left a professional career to be a full-time maker and just to have the courage to do that. It's so I, when I'm in my shop, I think about those people in the Houston community. I think about like Lindsay and just how talented she is. I, I made the comment to her the other night, she posted some rings she was making. I was like, Jesus, everything she does is so much work. When was the last time Dean that you took a project and you just worked, 
you didn't find a way to, oh, the lasers are doing it or the CNC's doing it, or I'm going to buy most of the parts already pre-made. Like, when did you just get your hands dirty and work? I feel like that's everybody though. Like, and I'm the same way where I, if it, if the project is going to be a certain amount of work, I don't, I'm not interested. Like I want those easy wins. I want those. I want, it's like, almost like you want those, like those dopamine hits, like finishing a project and moving to the next one. Nothing sounds better than that. Right? So I, I think if I had to find like a, a movie character, maybe like an Indiana Jones, like not the most happy person to be around, but always capable enough to get it done. But then the whole time you're like, did he really just pull this off? You know, capable with the, with the whip and some other things. But then the whole time you're like, the Nazis are going to get this guy at any second. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I could see myself kind of in that light. I think that's a pretty good comparison. Your dad's way more knowledgeable than you, but you fumble your way through. Well, I don't know if that's true. I'm pretty smart, but (laughs) you're still thinking Kristen. Well, um, yes, but looking at the, the different, I mean, you guys answered in in different ways and Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out a way of of how I can think it through. Um, For me, looking at sci-fi characters, my, uh, uh, um, I just don't know that many, honestly. I mean, as far as like what their true characters are, if I see somebody like the Witcher, who we were talking about earlier, I recognize that's who that is, or um, even him as an actor as Superman. You know, I, I recognize that, but that's honestly all I recognize. I don't know the characteristics of what makes the witcher the witcher or you know well, how about or let's either. austin and i assign you a character so <laughs> let let's you describe who you think you are in the shop and we'll come up with who we think that is in this superhero or heroine realm so how would you describe yourself in the shop decisive i mean I, like when i was looking through earlier today i think i was actually looking through some of my older projects and i say older projects because in reality for the last year with everything that's been going on, I've really not made that many projects except for wedding related projects. And they were more like crafts than true woodworking projects like I'd like to do. Um, so when I'm in the shop, when I'm working on something, I um, it's taken me way long time to make any project because I am overthinking and overanalyzing most things as I'm going along with it. I'm okay with that because I'm not making production. I'm not selling anything. So, um, yeah, indecisive is is still you know part of my characteristic. And maybe I'm a, a a belt and suspenders type maker. And maybe that is why I'm indecisive, and it takes too long for me to make a project. But I want it to be very functional. I want it to be very intentional, and I want it to you know cover the bases. And I don't know if that is answering our question even remotely as we're going along this conversation, I probably totally derailed this topic. About five more minutes of this and I will have picked about 75 characters for you. So let's just, okay. So (laughs) I've got one good one. Okay. okay. Michonne from the walking dead because Chrissy's out there pimping out Marvin and her guys, his guys, like the zombies she's walking around with and she's got them by the chains and just making them work. <laughs> God, that's hilarious. <laughs> I appreciate that one. Oh, and she don't take crap from men. She boots them. That's the um, other thing. True too. What do you got? No, that's, that's really good. I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to round peg square hole this thing. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of a character that's indecisive. Maybe indecisive is not necessarily the right way to put it. Maybe I'm just trying to be indecisive about being indecisive right now. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to the perfect thing. Overan- I'm, I overanalyze. Maybe that's maybe that's a better description of it. I'm overanalyzing to make sure whatever I'm making covers any possible situation that might come into play. Yeah. So I think that that is. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make sure I get all the bases covered, which is illogical. I got it. But here's a here's where you are. You are the colonel from the A team because you <laughs> love it when a plan comes together. Because you've oh, gone yeah. through every scenario. 
I'll take that. Yeah. It's pretty good too, Austin. You're pretty good at this. So if anybody wants Austin to figure out what kind of who they are as a superhero or movie character, you should write into the Make It Our Way podcast and yeah. uh, give him a shot at it. Who do you feel like you are on the A team, Dean? Oh, I'm Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, work. but obviously everybody else thinks I'm face, but Murdoch is probably, you know. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and don't forget to subscribe. We'd love to hear your feedback. So reach out to us on Instagram at making our way podcast. You can find all of our individual latest content on Instagram or YouTube. Austin is at high caliber craftsman. Christy is at the twisted twine woodworking. And I'm at Dean underscore Duplantis. Thanks again, friends. Hey guys, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your crazy builds, your bizarre clients, your almost accidents. We want to hear your best maker and shop stories. So if you've got a good shop story that you want to send to us for a story episode that we have coming up, reach out on the Making Our Way podcast Instagram. We'll set up a time to do a quick recording with you. Just a few minutes, four or five minutes, 10 minutes at the most. Uh, of your best stories that we're going to put in a combination episode of great shop maker stories. Let me know if you got any questions and thanks so much for listening. It's Mary bang kill, but we're going to do just go on a date, but it doesn't work out and set up bang. So you can marry one, go on a nice date. Things just don't go well and, or kill one. Yeah. I wanted to name our greyhound snips after ahsoka my wife wasn't having it so I, I really tried hard to push that snips on her yeah we had a dog named luca that was a combination of luke and leia okay i thought you were gonna say luke and chewbacca <laughs> i thought he was saying leia because she was in the oh my god <laughs> my mom my mom is gonna that's literally this. the only thing i <laughs>